Everything Leafs podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Nick D'Souza and Kevin Papetti. Welcome to the Everything Leaves podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti here with Nick D'Souza as always. Nick, a lot of good news to get to today. We got a five-game winning streak, a nine-game point streak. And a big win last night against Montreal. How's everything with you? It is good, and I think you, you missed out the most important stat, and that's Jack Campbell breaking Leafs history with his 10th straight win this season. Like, It's actually crazy, because when you think about how long the Leafs have been a team, and like Campbell hasn't even been here for, for very long, and he's already breaking records, and he's bringing smiles to all of our faces while he does it. So uh, I think that's the most important stat we got to bring up early. I agree, and... Campbell's the perfect 10-0, and, and I think we got the perfect guest to help us here to break down Campbell's start and the trade deadline. It's going to be a big trade deadline pod. We have Nick's second favorite Maple Leafs hot stove writer, Ian Tullich. <laughs> how, how you doing, Ian? I'm glad I could make it that high in the rankings. Thanks for having me, guys. been following you guys on Twitter forever now. a big fan of your content, so I'm happy that we can talk here about why the Leafs aren't going to trade for Taylor Hall. It's going to make me very mad. It's gonna. It's. I think it's gonna be about an hour of crying, to be honest. But let's jump right into it. So it sounds like with Taylor Hall, Frank Saravelli reported he doesn't think they're in, but it can change with a phone call. We're recording Thursday night, so by the time this comes out, either later tonight or tomorrow, maybe we have an answer. But I guess let's start with with you, Ian. I guess before we get into Hall. I think the big debate is forward versus defense. The Leafs seem to be going to the forward route. What are your thoughts on that? Do you agree that forward's the bigger need than defense? We'll keep goalie out of it. Just forward defense. Are you in agreement on the forward? Yeah, I've heard a few good arguments for, well, if you look at the Leafs' top four defense right now, if any one of them gets hurt, you're in trouble. You're going to have Zach Bogosian coming into the top four, Travis Dermott coming into the top four. That's probably not ideal. As much as, you know, I'm sure this is a a Travis Dermott-friendly podcast here, having him play big minutes in the top four in the playoffs is an ideal situation, but... I think we saw the other night with William Nylander injured. If one of your top four forwards gets hurt, it's an even bigger ripple effect down the lineup. All of a sudden, you don't have an effective top nine anymore. You have a really stark contrast between the top six and the bottom six. And I think we've seen that for a lot of this season with the Leafs. If they have Zach Hyman on that third line, it gives them a bit more balance in their top nine. But then you don't have a winger for that Matthews-Marner line. When you put Hyman up on that Matthews-Marner line, yeah, they're one of the best lines in the league. But what you're left with is a pretty meh bottom six. I like the Mikheyev-Engval pairing. I like Spezza in a bottom six role to capitalize on offensive opportunities. But if you're heading into a playoff series, you want to have three lines that are rolling. I think as of right now, the Leafs don't have that. And I think they'd like to come out of the trade deadline with three solid forward lines that they can group together and feel confident about going into the playoffs. So I do agree that I think forward is the bigger need for the Leafs than defense, even though I can hear the argument for the other side of things. Yeah, we're in agreement there. Nick, do we go three for three on the forward being the bigger need? Yeah, definitely. And and to add to what Ian said, I think that when you look at the market right now, there's just a lot more kind of top six, middle six forwards that are available right now. I am really confident right now with this kind of top six of the Leafs D. Um, I mean, the six defensemen pretty much that they're using right now. I don't think I've ever been this confident in them, maybe in my lifetime. Um, Now, 
I, I know Kevin, you and I, we kind of argued last podcast about their depth and, you know, Sandine's coming back from injury. Timothy Lilligren's looked really good with the Marlies. I think he can play, you know, on that bottom pairing pretty good. And then there's Martin Marinson. I think this is probably a pretty friendly Martin Marinson uh, crew right now on this podcast, but somewhat, I don't think, somewhat. I don't think any of us want to see him in the playoffs. Um, not like last year. So, you know, I, I think that they should be looking for a top six forward. Cause I think that that's kind of the bigger need, but I wouldn't mind them getting a depth defenseman just so just because of the uncertainty after that top six. Yeah, I think if they could get the right depth defenseman, like after they make their big forward addition, you still have some cap space. As we had mentioned before, Nick, I mean, exactly. Um, yeah. I do love Sandine. I do. I am pretty high on Lilligran. And I think just the fact that Keith hasn't changed his defense pairings all season, like I know he did to get let in a couple games. No, Muzzin missed a couple games, but he seems to be very happy with his defense pairings and. There's just not many available outside of Savard. So I think we can all agree, at least for the biggest addition, it is a forward. Um, goal ten, like In terms of goalie, it's pretty simple. Like If, if Anderson's out for the season, they're going to go out and get a goalie. If they're confident he's fine, it just doesn't seem like they will. So I don't want to spend too much time on, on goaltending, but if we, focus, if we focus on forwards, and specifically the rental forwards, I mean, obviously we, we'd love a, a good player under control, like you know, Jack Eichel or Thomas Hurdle. I mean, that's the dream. But if we focus on the rentals, which are a little bit more likely, the big name is Taylor Hall. We don't know if they'll be interested or if they'll actually go for it. But Ian, I'll let you start off here. What are your thoughts on Taylor Hall? Are you worried that he's cursed? So he's shooting 2% this year. He's about as cursed as John Tavares is from a goal-scoring perspective. I was looking at the goals versus uh, expected goals the other day on Money Puck. And as of right now, I think Taylor Hall should have seven more goals than he actually has. And Tavares should have six more goals than he actually does have right now. They've both been ridiculously snake-bitten when you look at their shot locations compared to the pucks that are actually going in. Another thing with Taylor Hall is that he leads the NHL in high-danger passes, according to Corey Schneider's manly track data. So what that means is that when he gets into the offensive zone, he's ripping those east-west passes through the middle of the slot, those high-leverage passes, passes from below the goal line, from behind the net, that result in a much higher shooting percentage. All of these indicators suggest that Taylor Hall should be producing at 5-on-5 at an elite rate, and the production hasn't been there. Does that mean he's cursed? Maybe, but I think the much likelier bet is that he's going to regress into the player that we all know he is. I remember saying the same thing right after Nylander's awful year coming off of the contract dispute, and then his first couple months in the league, he didn't look too great. And I was pulling up all the numbers going, well, I don't know, the scoring chances are really high, he's generating a lot of entries off the rush and passes through the middle of the ice. All the statistical indicators tell us that next year he's going to produce, and lo and behold, he scored over 30 goals. So I think with Taylor Hall, if you play him with John Tavares and William Nylander on that second line, I know people are going to say, well, he played with Jack Eichel and he couldn't produce. Some people need to learn what shooting percentage is and how it works. And when a guy shoots 2% for a couple months, you need to realize that he's not going to keep shooting 2%. So with Taylor Hall, I'm confident that he's going to return to maybe not the heart caliber player that he's been in years past, but a legitimate top six forward, maybe even first line forward. And when you're looking at upside among forwards at the deadline this year, no one has as much upside as Taylor Hall does. I get that he has the baggage that comes with him, but for my money, when you're trying to win a championship, you have to acquire the best talent that's out there. 
And for my money, Taylor Hall is the best player available. So that's my Taylor Hall spiel. I'll shut up now and let you guys uh, rant about Taylor <laughs> Hall. But I, I just think it's such a missed opportunity if the Leafs aren't in on him because it sounds like he might not even go for a first-round pick. And this is the best player I can remember being available who isn't going to go for a first-round pick. So it just seems like a perfect asset to cash in on who's at an all-time low in value. It's, it's kind of a buy-low candidate, a regression candidate for a first-line star forward. To me, it's, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, I think the fit is just perfect here. Um, you know, obviously he has the ties to Toronto. And, you know, when we're talking about a guy like the Leafs wanting to add a top-six forward... Like, you're getting one in Taylor Hall. And if they really want this player to play with Tavares and Nylander, like, I can't think of a better one out of the options that are there than Taylor Hall. Like, I've talked about this in the past where when Kerfoot was on that line with Tavares and Nylander, I thought it was really good. I thought Kerfoot's transition play really helped them get into the offensive zone, something that, you know, John Tavares was kind of struggling in early in the season. And if the puck wasn't on Nylander's stick, they were having trouble getting into the zones. So... I mean, Taylor Hall, also a really good transition player. It's interesting with him in the offensive zone because he's had seasons before where he shot, like, below 7%. Um, but this one point, like, I think he's, like, 1.6% right now or something. Like, that's just unsustainable for anyone, especially for someone at, you know, the offensive caliber of Hall. And, I mean, I'm glad that you brought up that shot assist stat because I saw it the other day as well, Ian. And, like, I just dream about Hall in the offensive zone giving those types of passes to shooters like like Nylander and Tavares. I think it's just a, it's a dream to have those three on the same line. Um, and yeah, I was a little disappointed when I, when I saw that earlier today that the Leafs might not be in on it because it's a heck of an opportunity. I'll say like in an ideal world, I would like a power forward, like a, like a Kachuk, for example. But those, those, there's no one available to, to Hall's caliber. Like this guy is elite transition player, elite playmaker, you could put Tavares with two elite transition players. Tavares is a player who obviously struggles a bit with the skating. You put him with Hall and Nylander, I think you're going to have a chance to have two first lines. That's my goal. I just want to be a matchup nightmare. I do think Galchenyuk's been great, but I do also think that he'd be great in a bottom six role if, if you needed him to. Um, and I know people say you don't need another scorer. You don't need, uh, I know, another talented guy. You don't need anything. Like, the world's not going to collapse if, if you don't get a certain player, but he would really help this team. Um, and I think the key word that Ian said was upside, where this guy won the Hart Trophy. There's a chance that he's your second best forward. Like, that's a that's in the realm of possibilities. This is a guy that, if he bounces back, there's a chance he's on the next Team Canada Olympic team. He's that type of player. Um, I know he's been on bad teams, but those Oilers teams were just awful. He had no chance. Like, you put a martyr on that team instead of a Hall or Sagan on that team instead of Hall, they're still not a playoff team. Those Devils teams were bad. He kind of, you know, carried them on his back to the playoffs one year. The Sabres were off, 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 obviously very bad. Uh, Arizona was was not a true contender. He kind of got traded to the worst team looking for a rental. Um, so I, I do think this is like a, just a phenomenal hockey player. Um, I, I'm not worried about the curse thing whatsoever. Um, you know, if, if we're talking in four years about Jack Eichel being cursed, I'll still want Jack Eichel. Um, I do think it's going to cost a first. I really do, especially with that, with that full retention. But if it's less, I'm in, if it is a first, I'm still in. Um, so I'm going to throw a question to Ian here. We'll start with you, Ian. If you're Kyle Dubas and Kevin Adams calls you tonight and says, I want the ask is a first and a prospect for Taylor Hall, right? Let's say they're going to get that from Boston. If they want Lilligren instead of the first, 
and another prospect. Let's throw Highlander and Anderson in there. Are you still in on Hall, or, or are you are you out at that point? If I'm Kyle Dubas, I think if I have truth serum injected into me, I'm telling you that I don't value Timothy Lilligren that much. He's not going to crack <laughs> my NHL roster anytime soon. So if I can trick a team into thinking that he's still a top prospect, I will do that. Uh, and this isn't to take anything away from him. Who's He's had a strong year in the American League this past year. I've just been following his development for the last few years, and I wanted him to take that next step offensively. I get that he's carrying the puck more in the AHL this year, and he's starting to look a little bit more dynamic, but we're not talking about the same guy who looked like he might be the second overall pick heading into his draft year. There's just, to me, he's not the dynamic skater I once thought he could be. He's not the dynamic power play quarterback I once thought he could be. I think he's a better transition player than we give him credit for, and I think he might carve out a niche for himself at the NHL level, but I don't see him as a blue-chip prospect. I don't see him in the same tier as a Nick Robertson, a Nick Robertson, Erasmus Sandy, and a Rodian Amarov. I'd have him fourth on Toronto's prospect rankings if I did that right now, so... If I had to give up a prospect in the trade, I would like it to be a Lilligren. But here's the thing. If I'm trading for Taylor Hall and they're asking for a first or they're asking for a prospect that I don't want to give up, to sweeten the pot, I am asking for Linus Olmark in return because I want to solidify my backup goaltending position. What are your thoughts about the Taylor Hall and Linus Olmark combination? Because that's the dream trade that I've been seeing on Twitter, and I agree. I really like the idea of it. I'm not quite sure how to fit it all under the cap, but that's not my job. That's Brandon Pridham's job. I'll leave that to him. <laughs> And you know he's been trying to figure it out. I think with 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 um, with the goalie thing, I guess it just depends on the injury. I, I think it's you know if 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 Anderson's out, then I would definitely be on board with that. When it comes to Lilligren, I also see him as the fourth best prospect. Um, I would not do that deal though. Um, I do see Lilligren being more valuable than that 2021 first right now. Um, I do agree. I, I don't think that that. You know, when he got drafted, it was 17th overall. Um, I think that at the time, we all felt that that was a big steal. Like you said, like some people said that he would have been the second best player in that draft. And and I, I think that he's kind of kind of on par for a 17th overall player right now, especially when you compare him to the other defensemen that are in that kind of drafted around him or even drafted ahead of him in that same draft. Um, he's kind of on, on par with them. So I'm not ready to give up on him yet. I think it just feels like He's been with this organization for so long. Um, I really liked what I've seen this year for him, and I'm not ready just yet to give him up for a rental, even though it is Taylor Hall and he's fantastic. So I'll say that I would say no to that deal, but if you're putting in Allmark and maybe maybe something else, then I'd think about it. But uh, the first and, let's say, a Hallander, I would definitely do that deal for Hall. I'm in for Allmark if they need a goalie. We just have no idea about Anderson right now. Um I, if you have the cap space, I'm in to have three goalies because I'd be, you know, I'm just terrified of having Hutchison as the backup. But <laughs> I feel like they know something we don't in terms of Anderson. Like, he could be back next week. Maybe they know that. Um, maybe they know he's out for the year and they just don't want to publicize it. So if, if they do need a goaltender, if they do decide they need one, I'm definitely in for Allmark. I think he is kind of the top, uh, the top goalie available. Uh, I do like him. Uh, in terms of, so I, I guess I'll throw this two separate questions here. So one to Ian, one to Nick. So let's start with Ian. If it's a first, so let's say they don't want Lilligren. They want a first and they want Topi Nimala or Ronnie Hervinen, one of the two. Are you in for that for Hall? Is that is that something you're doing? 
I like Tuffy Nimala. I, I know this isn't necessarily the prospect podcast, but I, I like what he's accomplished <laughs> in the last year or two. So th- this is where we get into ranking our prospects. And, oh, is that a B-level prospect, C-level prospect? Oh, we're not giving up the A-level prospect here. Uh, you brought up Hollander's name. Do you remember when uh, Connor Brown, Jeremy Bracco, and a second-round pick was the meme on Leafs Twitter to getting yeah. the top four defensemen? It, sh- it should still be the meme. Now, now it's Kerfoot, <laughs> Hallander, and a second-round pick. That's what I've been seeing the most of. Everyone wants rid of Kerfoot's money. <laughs> Philip Hallander seems to be the prospect that people think is good enough to warrant some kind of return, but bad enough to not be that prospect that you don't want to give up in a trade. And no one likes giving up a first-round pick, so we always see the second-round pick given up in trades. Uh, I just want to make a quick comment about a late first-round pick going away in trades. It has similar value to a second-round pick. Any pick after about the 20s in the NHL, it's it's not as high value as teams tend to think it is. So I think if you can trade away your first-round pick and get some meaningful value for it in return on the trade market, I'm always down to trade my first-round pick if I'm a contending team. And I think the Leafs are that this year. Uh, to, to me, I think the more interesting question right now, not necessarily in terms of what prospects you'd be willing to give up or what the actual price would be, is let's say you check your phone in five minutes and Taylor Hall has been traded to the Boston Bruins or the Colorado Avalanche Oof, or whatever oh team it is that's going to really pain you to see. Who's next on your list? Who's second on your big board right now for the, the player that you want the Leafs to add at the deadline? So mine's Jaden Swartz. Um, I'll get it to him in a sec. Nick. Will you do a first and Hervidan for for Hall? Is that a done deal, or you're not doing it? Um, I'll stick to my stick to what I said before. So my line is anyone below Lilligren and a first I would do. Um, I love Toby Nimala. Love the way he looked at the World Juniors. Really liked the year in Liga, but uh, I would do that deal. Same with Ronnie Hervidan. Okay, so my number two, I would do if I would do that as well. I would actually put Lilligren instead of the first if, if that's what they wanted. Um, because I really want Taylor Hall. I'm all in. Um, of course, there's retention involved. I'm just, let's just say that they take care of the retention in this example. Um, I'd be in. So my number two, Ian, is, is Jaden Schwartz. That was the guy I want to get to next. Alec at, uh, at Maple Leafs Hot really sold me on him this week. I didn't think St. Louis was going to be a big seller. Still not 100% clear if they will be, but they're three points out with just one game in hand on Arizona. And they have a ton of games against Colorado, Vegas, Minnesota down the stretch. He may not, they may not get in. And if they do, they're probably playing Colorado or Vegas in round one and the other team in round two. So it's it's going to be a very tough stretch for them. We've seen Doug Armstrong in the past sell before with Kevin Shattenkirk when they were you know a bubble playoff team. I know he's 5'10", but he plays hard. He's got great play driving numbers, especially defensively. He can penalty kill. Um he, he actually led the St. Louis Blues in goals when they won the Cup. He's number two for me. If, if, if Hall's traded, if we see in the next five minutes that he's going to Boston and Colorado, my next dream scenario is Jaden Swartz. Where's he on your list, Ian? He's definitely high up there. I don't see him on the trade bait list right now. I'm on TSN because I always like going through that because the insiders try to take into account what they've heard from around the league. So not seeing his name up there, but seeing Mike Hoffman's name on the list is something that I find interesting. Frankly, I don't think Hoffman's a good fit in Toronto because I don't think he's what they need. He's a one-dimensional goal scorer. And it's the most important dimension in hockey, finding the back of the net. But like you said, Jaden Schwartz is a much more complete player. Is there term left on Jaden Schwartz, or is he a UFA? He's he's a rental. So I was listening to – Freeman was actually on the Athletics podcast, The Leap Report, um, and then Pierre Lebron I was listening to today. So they – I think they both mentioned Jaden Schwartz. LeBron kind of mentioned him as a guy that 
yeah, we haven't really mentioned him, but I'm going to throw his name out there in case it does happen because he is a rental and he did point out the Kevin Shattenkirk situation. So I think he's a guy that I think with St. Louis's players that, you know, they kind of fell off recently. I think they had lost seven in a row or something like that up until last night. And for most of the season, it didn't look like they'd be sellers. And now it looks like they could be, and they probably should be sellers. I do think Schwartz is a player that they might want to resign. Um, but there is some, there is kind of a bit of, of mystery there from the insiders where they're not too sure if he'll get traded or not. I don't think he's as likely as, as Taylor Hall or, or say, uh, David Savard, who's being held out as well. Um, but I, it does seem like he's at least a possibility. So that's why he's my number two. I agree with you on Hoffman. Um, I'll touch on him later. I, I don't think he's a great fit. I think because Hoffman's been a healthy scratch, uh, it's pretty clear that he'd be available, um, given that he's a rental. But Schwartz is is a rental. So um, something to, I guess, I guess ponder on your end, Ian. But he would be kind of higher up on your board. Yeah, and I'm looking at St. Louis's kind of depth chart right now and looking at who they're looking at moving at the deadline. It's not the right fit for Toronto, but I've been such a huge Vince Dunn fan over the last few years, seeing the fact that he could finally be traded this year. It kind of reminds me of Travis Dermott, or I'm thinking in years past of a Nate Schmidt, just a really talented guy who's been stuck in lower leverage minutes who I think could thrive in a top four role. He seems like someone, if he goes to Seattle, he would do awesome there with more minutes. But again, in Toronto on the left side on defense, they seem to be pretty set. I'm not sure if you'd actually trade for a defenseman to move ahead of Dermott unless it was a big name like a Josh Manson or a David Savard. And it seems like they want to use their assets on a forward instead of a defenseman. So if I'm looking at St. Louis's roster again, Jaden Schwartz, I would have high on my list. Wouldn't have Mike Hoffman very high up there. I'm going through some other forwards that I'm keeping an eye on. I think my favorite player other than Taylor Hall right now, it's the polar opposite type of player, but it's someone who I think could provide a lot of value to the Leafs. It's Nick Foligno. And he's someone I've heard a lot of people bring up because of the playoff experience, the grit. Do you remember him checking Sidney Crosby one-on-one in a playoff series? He, he'll go into the corners and win those battles. And sometimes when I hear people say that about a player, I'm worried that we tend to overvalue those things. And then I go look at the player's heat map, and he's just getting filled in at five-on-five. Five. But Nick Foligno's not like that. He actually has an elite defensive impact when he's on the ice. He's really good at limiting scoring chances and quality chances against. So he's someone that... You could play in that third line role. You could maybe move him up into the top six as a checker alongside some of the talented forwards. And he's someone who could provide you with some penalty kill value, some defensive value. Late in the third period when you're holding on to a one-goal lead, he's someone you could throw it on the ice. So not the Taylor Hall offensive upside type of player, but could help you in other areas that still matter at the end of the day. I like Felino. I think, like Schwartz, he's a good defensive player. But Nick, how would you rank Schwartz versus Felino on your board? I think it's pretty close, but... Who would be, I guess, number two to Taylor Hall? Um, in terms of who's the better player, I think Schwartz is the better player. I think he has those really good defensive impacts. like, And he's had it for seasons. We're talking about two really good defensive players, Nick Foligno included. Mm-hmm. Um, like Schwartz has had years where he's he's been a, pretty much a 60-point player. That's the pace that he's been producing at. Uh, this year he's interesting because he's been shooting a pretty low percentage. Uh, he's played with Tarasenko when Tarasenko's been healthy. Um the only thing with St. Louis, and this is what concerns me when it comes to, you know, me seeing that the Leafs might not be uh, interested in Hall or they might not be in on that action, is after that, after Hall, like, you know, I'll talk about Nick Foligno in a second. I just don't know if St. Louis is going to be sellers. Like, you know, the trade deadline's on Monday, and they're going to have to make a decision whether they want to compete and whether they 
think they can make the playoffs or not. And I think if the deadline was maybe a week or even two weeks later and, you know, St. Louis had some more games and played some of those games against Colorado, then, you know, maybe they're more willing to be sellers. But right now, like you said, they're three points out of a playoff spot. They have one game in hand on Arizona. Like, if I'm St. Louis, I take those chances. And, you know, the way the overtime loss and that loser point, like, everyone can contend pretty much for a playoff spot if they're kind of around there. Um, You know, I think Schwartz is a great player, though. That's the second best player after Hall of who's available now. And then with Felino, I like him as a player. I don't think I would play him with Tavares and Nylander. I I think that I would probably keep Galchenyuk there and then put Felino on that third line with Engvall Mikheyev and have a really good shutdown line. And that almost allows Hyman to stay up on that first line with Matthews and Marner. Um, but I, I think Felino after that is probably third. But I don't know. I'm just a little bit concerned if the Leafs actually aren't in on Hall because I think the pickings after that, especially after Paul Mary has been traded, um, gets a little bit slim. Especially if Nashville, much like St. Louis, is one of exactly. those teams who looks in the mirror and goes, wait, we're not trading Michael Granlund. We're not trading Matias Ekholm. We're going for it. And then you look at the forwards who are actually available after Taylor Hall and you're going, wait, we're going to be trading for some middle six, you know, non-impact player as opposed to a legitimate needle mover, which Taylor Hall is. I think that's the biggest concern that Leafs fans are having right now is they're trying to look for players who can make a legitimate impact on the outcome of a hockey game. Taylor Hall meets that criteria. After him, the drop-off in terms of legitimate impact players at the forward position, I'm with you, Nick. I think after Taylor Hall, they're all... I almost don't want to trade for any of these guys considering the prices. And you look at Nashville and they're fourth. Like they're in a playoff spot right now. And the deadline's on Monday. I just think it's a tough sell for that GM to say to their fans. And I mean, you never want to make decisions as a GM based on fans. But I mean, they're in a playoff spot right now. So I think there was a report saying that Nashville's not thinking of selling anymore. Or they're a lot more reluctant to sell. I'm not sure about that. But yeah, I think it's a concern after Hall for sure. I think, so for me, it's Hall 1, Schwartz is 2 if they do trade him. Um, Nick, I I think with Doug Armstrong's history and the fact that he did trade, I believe when he traded Shattenkirk at the deadline, they were in a playoff spot. And this time, like, there's no fans, like, there's there's limited fans, I guess, um, come playoff time. There's there's less potential for revenue. Um, And if they do get in, they're facing Colorado or Vegas. And their schedule, I think, is like, I believe they have seven games against Minnesota, three against Colorado, two against Vegas, and then like a few games against the other teams. Like their schedule is tough. Um, it might it might even be as simple as if they win or lose tomorrow night against Vegas, um, or sorry, they play Minnesota tomorrow night. Um, it could be as simple as that. Schwartz is a guy that I think they could they could maybe try to re-sign. Like he did win a cup with them. I do think they like him. I just think he's the coach's favorite player. I think he's a legitimate top six forward. I think he is. Uh, in a tier above Polino, I just think he's better offensively. I actually think he's better defensively as well. Um, just a guy that can play in the in the bumper on on power play one. He can be on your penalty kill. I just think he's a really good player. I've, I've loved him for years. Um, I think I I consider giving up a first round pick for Schwartz. Um, I'm not sure if you guys are in the same boat. Um, Ian, is that something you you do? I guess it's a two part question. Would you give up a first for Schwartz? And I guess what's your best offer for Ferlino? Yeah, I think I would lean towards giving up the first if I'm getting a player of whether it's Schwartz or Taylor Hall, legitimate top six forward in my opinion. And this is where when we start getting to those middle six type of forwards, 
I'm not sure if I want to be giving up a first round pick for whether it's a Nick Felino or a Scott Lawton and the names are just you're, you're looking at it and you're going, eh, I don't know if I want to give up too much for this. But sorry, you asked me what my package would be for for which player? For Felino, is is that like a second and a pro, like a, a middle prospect? Is, yeah, that's what I think I'm thinking. that sounds about right to me. I mean, if it was a first round pick for Nick Felino, and he's the only forward available who really fits what you're going for, I get that this is kind of a go for it. A, I can't talk right now. This is a go for it <laughs> year for the Leafs because you look at the Canadian division. This isn't going to exist next year. Gary Bettman's talked about how they want to move back to the old format, the Atlantic format. So there isn't going to be an easier path for the Leafs to make the playoffs. If you look at any of the models, looking at Stanley Cup odds, this is probably going to be the Leafs' best chance in an individual season. So you want them to pony up the assets to improve their roster. But at the same time, you don't want to get completely burned in a trade for a rental who's just going to leave you in the offseason. We've seen in in years past where Lou Lamorello would trade a second-round pick for a (laughs) fourth-line center, and you're just thinking, wow, that was a great use of of, of a pick in the 40s that could have been used to improve our roster. Or instead, we got a couple weeks of Thomas Plakanich. Like, wow, great asset management there. In my mind, I've been holding back bringing those two trades up for Boyle and Plakanich, and I'm so glad that you were the first one to bring it up because I didn't want to be the first one to bring it up. Well, it's I actually kind of management. <laughs> I actually, I actually kind of liked those trades at the time because I thought they were going to buy even more. Like, I thought they were going to give up first, and they clearly weren't contenders. So when they gave up a second, I was like, okay, at least it's it's not as big. But yeah, that those weren't great. That wasn't great asset management, um, especially Placanic had to shave, right? So he's not he's not the same guy without the without the goatee. I mean, Kyle Palmieri shaved the other day. He doesn't look the same. <laughs> it I don't looks know. So is, weird. Is, maybe his shooting percentage is going to go up now. Now that he's uh, he's finally shaved off the beard. Maybe that's what Taylor maybe. Hall needs to do to come to Toronto clean shave shooting percentage skyrockets that's the way it happens i think so new number needs the new number with Polino, i'll say like i know he's a popular like a lot of people on on twitter i see wanting Polino. he's only six feet tall i thought he was like six two he is turning 34 this year um he's, he's normally around that half point per game threshold or slightly under i do think he's pretty good defensively like his both Felinos are very good defensively his brother plays for minnesota he is that leader that captain the physical type um, I just feel like they have a lot of good defensive forwards right now. I don't think Polino's good offensively. I think he's like below average offensively. Um, I get that people want some size, but for me, I look at the bottom six. I see Mikhaev. I see Engvall. Um, I think Kerfoot's decent defensively. Like I, I feel like they need a little bit more scoring talent in the bottom six and a little bit more transition skill. So for me... I'm actually putting Aya follow, I think, ahead of Felino. Like, I don't mind Felino, as you said. If that's the only option, I'm in because I want someone. But for me, he's more of like a plan C or a plan D if I can't get the bigger guys. Um, Nick, I know you kind of like Aya follow. Do you kind of have him? I don't have a huge difference here, but where would you rank Aya follow and, and Felino on your list, Nick? Uh, probably around the same. I, th- I think they bring different kind of elements, of course. I think Aya follow is a little bit more active off the puck. Um, definitely has a little bit more zip to him. I wouldn't mind playing him with uh, Tavares and Nylander. Um, but, you know, with Felino, like for me, I, I just don't see a fit with him next to Tavares and Nylander. Uh, like I was saying before, I'd rather just have him with Engvall Mikheyev, give them those tough zone starts, give them tough comp- competition and free up your top six there. Um, but with I follow, like, I don't feel too strongly about him. I think I've almost, you know, talked myself into it's kind of haul or bust now. Um, 
Because I think a lot of Leafs fans are in that boat, and it's going to be depressing when we find that tweet on our timeline that he's not going to Toronto. And he's going to Boston or something like that. That would just be the worst. Uh, Montreal. No. I'm trying to make it worse. <laughs> Montreal. Back to Edmonton. Stop. I actually wouldn't mind back to Edmonton because it'd be kind of funny, but not to Boston. Colorado would be kind of fun to watch. Um, but, I, yeah, he's got to come to Toronto. The, the thing with Iafalo, I, I think he's a pretty good point producer um, but and a good defensive player. But just if you look at his impacts, like even on um, – on hockeyviz.com and, and he doesn't really create too much offense in terms of you know play driving um i think that would be okay because the leafs do have like if you put him with nylander and Tavares, like i don't think they're going to struggle offensively as a line um but you know if you put him on angval mckayev i think that they become even more of a kind of you know a tough team offensively and, and they're going to really struggle so um yeah, not too strong about I follow, but I think he's right where Felino is for me, a, a notch below Schwartz, um, and probably in, around where Lawton is. Kevin, I wanted to quickly touch on something you said earlier about needing a bit more skill and puck carrying ability in the bottom six for Toronto. I think that's where Gachenyuk makes a lot of sense when you eventually trade for a forward to kind of take his spot on that second line that allows you to move Galchenyuk down onto a fourth line with Jason Spezza that's given more offensive usage or potentially play Galchenyuk with that engvall mikheyev combination and maybe there's a bit of defensive presence from those guys, some offensive presence from Galchenyuk. Maybe it works out. Maybe that's a terrible combination. It doesn't make any sense, but it's just something to think about. I feel like Galchenyuk could be used in other ways lower in the lineup where he's still providing value. That's exactly where I was going to... Yeah, that's exactly where (laughs) I've been thinking about it Um, because if they do get someone for Tavares Nylander, that obviously frees up Galchenyuk. I think that it's interesting because Engvall and Mikheyev, like the way that they're being used right now, like it's like 35% in the offensive zone. Like they're getting a bunch of defensive zone starts. They're getting pretty tough competition. And it seems like that's kind of been a staple this year for Keefe. We've seen with the Marlies in the third line. I thought, I know this is Kevin's favorite line, but he's had, <laughs> he had a matchup third line back with the Marlies and Engvall was on that line too. So like that was matchup line on that line back in the day. Yeah, was, and greening, yeah. and greening. Yeah, there you go. That's this. This is Kevin's forte <laughs> right now. This is his. This, we're right at his. Right at his. Back uh, in the Marley podcast, days. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Somehow um, mention that line every podcast. I don't know how it comes up, but it always comes up. It's this one was the Ian's fault. Martin Marinch and Timothy Lilligren death pair. The one yeah. that just doesn't let you get in the offensive zone. Yeah, good times. But I do think that Engvall and Mikheyev are really good in transition. I do like that they started the defensive zone because they're so good at transporting that puck into the offensive zone and. Like, it's almost become a joke at, at how they have an inability of finishing, like, two-on-ones or any sort of scoring chance. And I think Galchenyuk, like, having him there, you know, his shot, his playmaking, I think it could really help that line. And defensively, like, he's been working really hard off the puck. He's been winning more battles than I think, you know, all three of us expected uh, with the Leafs. So I think that that can work. And I just don't really like Simmons there. I don't like Simmons getting those defensive zone starts. I don't think he's great in transition. Um, I don't think it's a good fit for him there. Okay, let's go through two more trade candidates. We'll get into the lines. I think with Galchenyuk, the only thing I'll say is that I think I think he's working well with Tavares Nylander. So if you get a guy like Hall, I'm definitely willing to put him down. If you get a Felino, I don't know. I, I kind of want to see it. Like, I'll, I'll, let's see how Felino does on that line. But I wouldn't... I'm not sure I'd, I'd be married to the idea. Like, I might want to go back to Galchenyuk there, put Felino on a checking line, which he's capable right. of. Depends what they get. I think Ayafalo, the guy I had mentioned, um, 
uh, to you, Nick. I think he's a lot like Kerfoot. Like, he doesn't shoot ever. He's pretty. He's decent in transition. He's got surprisingly good defensive results. I like him as, as more of a secondary ad. I just don't think he's the guy. I do think he's kind of kind of close to Felino uh, for me. I think they're both from the Buffalo area, actually. Um, so we'll be looking for Buffalo area forwards or a Buffalo forward in Taylor Hall. Um, <laughs> Ian, any strong thoughts on a follow, or is he just kind of the generic middle six winger for you? I think he's better than some of the other names I've seen thrown out there. Again, Scott Lawton is kind of the default name that I look at, and I'm just going to be so disappointed if that's the forward that Toronto comes away with after all of this. I'm going to say, wow, they they really ponied up assets to bring in Scott Lawton. Yeah, time for me to go buy my jersey. Like, no, I don't. that's not what fans want. Fans want a bigger name. Uh, Iofalo, I think, is one of those sneaky, underrated players that not many people watch because he's playing in L.A. on a team that isn't that great. Again, I think he could fit in with some talent with Tavares and Nylander. You brought up a great point with Felino and that he's not good offensively. So if you play him on a line with Tavares and Nylander, I think you're going to be a bit frustrated with his inability to finish all the chances that they create for him. And you might rather have some more offensive talent there, whether it's a Galchenyuk or whether it's a different player you're trading for to put into that spot. So that's just something to keep in mind when you're looking to, to acquire a player who's going to fit that quote-unquote need that Toronto is desperately looking for. If you're going to play that player high in the lineup alongside talented forwards and he can't finish, there's an opportunity cost to playing that player there instead of a more talented offensive player. So I know we want defense and we want grit and we want playoff value. But at some point, goals matter, and Nick Foligno doesn't do goals. So that's just something to keep in mind. I agree. I think he's, like, I feel like if we get him, I'll kind of want to keep Galchenyuk there, to be honest. But I'm willing to see it. I'm willing to try it. We'll see what happens. I actually like Lawton a decent amount. Like, I think he's got weirdly strong numbers at 5-on-5, points-wise. I don't know if it's a PDO thing or what. Um, He seems like he's slightly above average defensively, but he's one of those guys where the the weird play-driving results are all over the place. I guess the thing is, is that I feel like it's, like, I don't want to do one of those, you know, boil mechanic trades where he's not much of a needle mover. I have to watch him a bit more. I feel like I'd like him more as a secondary ad rather than the guy. Like, I do want, I think we all want more of a needle mover. Nick, I'm going to get your thoughts on two guys here. One's Lawton, the other's Mike Hoffman. I know Ian doesn't want Hoffman. Honestly, I don't really want him that much as well. I want, I'll let you comment on, on those two. So with Scott Lawton, he has been a really good even strength producer the last couple of years. Um, the big thing with me, and I know, like, Kevin, we've talked about the third-line center versus the, the second-line winger thing a few times now. Mm-hmm. And the big reason I didn't want a third-line center was because, one, there wasn't that many options out there. I, I think Eric Stahl's a pretty good player. I think, you know, if you want to play him on the Leafs' third line, like, I'm going to keep bringing this up. Like Keith wants that third line to be a checking role. That's been one of the you know most the biggest staples this year on that on the team this year. Like Stahl hasn't really been played as, as a center with that type of deployment, like that many zones defensive zone starts. So I don't know. I just didn't see that was a big fit. Uh, I didn't want that to be the big player. But with Scott Lawton, like he does get a, a ton of defensive zone starts, and he is a sneaky, sneakily good defensive player. Um, so I do see a fit there, but. I completely agree with Ian as well, where it's like, you know, we've we've heard about like the Mikhail Grandland and the Taylor Halls and the Jaden Schwartz. And if the Leafs like come out Monday and, and the only player they get is Scott Lawton, like I think I'm definitely going to be disappointed. Um, and sorry, who was the other player? Hoffman. Hoffman. Yeah, Mike Hoffman. Yeah, I don't see a fit with him. I think when you look at the Leafs in general, you know, you want a two-way player. Um, this team has made huge strides in their forward group to have a bunch of two-way players like 
you know, you look at their top line, Matthews, Marner, Hyman, all very good defensive players. Second line this year with Tavares, Nylander, they've become a lot better defensively this year. Um, third line's obviously been really good. And then fourth line, you have Kerfoot, who's good defensively. So I just don't think that they need kind of a, you know, an offensive guy like Hoffman that, I don't want to call him a liability defensively, but I just don't think that's the right fit either. Quick question for you guys. 3.01 p.m. on April 12th. Is Alex Kerfoot on Toronto's roster? Uh, on what day? On, on the trade deadline. Like a minute after the trade deadline. I think he passes. is, yeah. I think he is. Yeah. I, I don't think he will be. I think he'll be thrown in whatever trade it is where they're bringing in some kind of forward. But that's it's, just my kind of reading the tea leaves situation here. It's interesting because I thought something similar. Like I thought there had to be money coming out. Um, Earl Schwartz at Leafs Nation wrote a really good article, though, um, about the Leafs cap space situation. And pretty much like, based on how much they've been accruing cap space and whatnot, like he kind of mapped out a way that, you know, the Leafs don't have to give up Kerfoot for, per se if the other team's retaining. And I know they're looking to use a team like Chicago or San Jose as a team to take on an extra, whether it's a million or two million, and you throw them a third or a fourth round pick to sweeten the deal. Exactly. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that making more sense than giving up the the better asset in Kerfoot. Then again, I find it difficult to even see Kerfoot as an asset at three and a half million, considering the kind of value he's provided this year. Then again, I think... We give him a hard time because he was a part of the trade for Nazem Kadri. If we just kind of assessed him as a player outside of that, we'd probably be a bit friendlier to him. But I think it's difficult to not be disappointed when you see Alex Kerfoot, when he, what he was supposed to be, a third-line center who could provide a lot of value in transition and take some tougher minutes. And I know you said that the big goal for the Leafs this year is to have that third line be a, a line that you can trust against the other team's best players, to have a more of a defensive presence, more defensive zone starts. They tried Kerfoot in that role earlier in the season. And it just didn't seem to work. For whatever reason, Engvall Mikheyev seemed to be much better defensive players. I think it has a lot to do with their size. And I know that I'm I'm not usually on team size. I'm usually on team skill, just get the best player available. But I think Engvall and Mikheyev's combination of size with their speed and with their ability to, like you said, create entries and exits and odd man rushes, even though they convert on about 1% of them. <laughs> it still has some kind of value. But with Kerfoot, it's just it's unfortunate because he came in here with the goal being that he would be their third-line center for the next few years, and he never really seemed to earn that spot. Now you're left looking at your roster going, where do we play Kerfoot? Do we play him on the fourth line? I guess we can play him on the second-line left wing, worst-case scenario. But he just seems like an asset to me where he's not helping the team very much at five on five to the point where you might as well shed his three and a half million if you can. It's interesting with Kerfoot. Cause I think he like on, on one end, I, I don't think, I think Engvall's kind of outperformed him at three C this year. Um, but the other thing is I, I kind of like Engvall McKay of Kerfoot, like when they have been together, the only thing is right now with the lineup, like if you put that line together, you're looking at a fourth line, that's Thornton, Spezza, Simmons. Um, I just don't know if they want that as a fourth line right now. Um, that That's my reasoning for why Kerfoot's on the fourth line, because his five-on-five five ice time is still decently, like, kind of in the middle of the team, probably lower to the middle. Um, so that's my reasoning why he's on the fourth line right now, because Keefe doesn't want that. But I think based on expectations, you're bang on there. Like, I think we all expected him to be kind of, well, we hoped he would be, like, kind of a high-end third-line center. Um, and he's just been not been that. He's not a high-end third-line center, but he is capable of playing there. I think with him... So I'll throw a question at you, Ian. Um, so the one thing I'll say about Kerfoot, I guess, as just for context, I want to think of him. 
he does score at five on five. I know the, you know, the, I think he's got a pretty high sh- on ice shooting percentage um, during his time with the Leafs, but he is, he does produce there okay. I think, you know, he spent some time with VZ this year, obviously didn't work out. He spent some time with, on that Mikhaev Engvall duo, just doesn't create a lot of offense. I think he's, I think he's a perfectly fine third line center. I don't think he's a good one. I just think he's a perfectly fine one. I like him as a fourth line center. I do think that at his salary at three point five million, I'm fine with moving that for absolutely nothing. Um, I guess the question is, Ian, if they if they trade Kerfoot without getting a center back, what are you doing down the middle? Okay, so let's let's quickly do the lines here. Is this a, a Taylor Hall scenario or a non-Taylor sure, Hall sure. scenario? Okay, if, say, if it's not Hall, Taylor we Hall. can just insert names. So first line, we'll go Hyman, Matthews, Marner. I think that goes without saying. We'll go insert name, Tavares, Nylander, preferably Hall. I could see it being a Felino type. You know, mm-hmm. Insert name there on that second line. Now on the third line, you've got your Engvall, you've got your Mikheyev. Who do you put beside them? They've been trying Simmons lately. I agree with you. I don't like that. You so could try at center. Yeah, yeah, Engvall okay. at third line center going to the playoffs. I guess that's your biggest concern. You don't like the idea of an Engvall three C. And frankly, I think it's a fair criticism because if you if you see yourself as a true Stanley Cup contender, you'd probably like to have a better third line center than Pierre Engvall. But this is kind of kind of what happens when you have your cap space allocated the way the Leafs do. Who's the four C? Jason Spezza. For my like, see, just in a sheltered role, give him some players who can do some stuff offensively. Okay, what happens if one guy gets hurt? Who's the who's the fifth? You go. I guess if it's if it's top six, you go Nylander. If it's bottom six, are you going Thornton? Are you going Adam Brooks? Like for me, I just don't like the depth there. I actually like Spezza more in the wing. I don't mind Engvall at center. I just feel like he's. I know he's the third line when they do the checking line because they get a lot of minutes. But to me, the minutes are pretty even between the third and fourth, and I think. If Engvall and Mikhaev are on one line, I think that has to be your worst scoring line. I think you need a fourth line that can really score. Um, for me, I'd prefer to have both Thornton and Spets on the wing. So, like, my thing is if, if Kerfoot goes, I almost want a lot in back um, just to replace him. Just I want a Granlund. I don't think he's going to be available now, it sounds like. But I just don't like the center depth if, if he's gone. I guess that's that's where I'm at with Kerfoot. It's nice that they have a lot of players that can play center. Like, they have that option of putting Nylander there if they wanted to. Um, I know they, that they have put Nylander in the past in the playoffs, and it kind of came out of nowhere, but at least they have that option. Um, when it comes to, to Engvall being at 3C, like, I, I try not to look at, you know, kind of positions that way, per se, because I know on Twitter, like, we see it all the time, where it's like, you know, Engvall as a 3C, like, you can't have that as a cup contender, but... As a line, like that third line, I think this year has been pretty good. Um, like they said, like big defensive zone stars, they've been at around like 50% expected goals at five on five. And when Hyman's there, and I'm actually going to throw a question to both of you guys here. When Hyman's there, it's almost been 60%. Like that's been the third line. 63% it's, Hyman, Engvall, Mikheyev together. It's been incredible. And I, I think that jump um, is big, you know, but, I, you know, obviously there's benefits to having Hyman with Matthews and Marner. When the playoffs comes, would would you guys want Hyman to be on that third line? I think I already know Kevin's answer here. But uh, so, Ian, I'll throw it at you here. You know, we know that Hyman impacts that third line a lot. So would you want to see him on that hem line, on the third line? Or do you want to keep him with Matthews Marner and then try and find a partner for Engvall McKayev come playoff time? 
I know the fun answer is to keep Hyman with Matthews and Marner because it, it gives you a top-heavy line that you can throw out there against the best lines in the league and feel pretty good about it. But I think when you're trying to optimize the results out of your roster, you look at what Engvall and Mikheyev accomplish with Hyman and what they accomplish without him, there's a significant drop-off when they play without Hyman to the point where they're almost underwater at 5-on-5. And when they're with Hyman, they're destroying third-line competition. So this really comes down to who can you play with Matthews and Marner and feel good about it. Early in the season, Joe Thornton was doing a good job in that regard. And I think we've all seen Joe Thornton in the last month or so just really start to the the season's wearing on him. So I think in a perfect world, you give Joe Thornton a vacation right after the trade deadline, after they've accrued all that cap space. And then if he can get back to playing at a decently high level with his passing, the best case scenario, in my opinion, is to have a Thornton Matthews Marner line, uh, Taylor Hall Tavares Nylander line, and then your Engvall Mikheyev Hyman line. That way you have three lines that you can throw out there at five and five that you feel can all give you 60% expected goals. And there aren't too many teams who can do that other than maybe Colorado right now. But then again, the counter argument to that is Joe Thornton can't play with Matthews Marner. By the end of the season, he'll be washed and he won't be able to do it. And if you play Hyman on your third line, then they effectively become your second line. And now Tavares and Nylander aren't going to get enough minutes. And you still don't have that left winger for the first line. So I understand <laughs> it's, it's, it's an issue. All of a sudden, you, you plug one hole, but you're moving. A, it's like a, moving around d- uh, deck chairs on the Titanic. You know, it's, This is going to be sudden, interesting. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's fascinating. Because I know Kevin, Kevin is going to go kind of the opposite way, right, Kevin? Um, I guess it depends who they get. Like, for me, I think... For me, the, the matthews Marner line is your most important line. They're going to get the most minutes. You need them to be at their best. Every extra chance you can get them is worth it. And I just think Hyman complements them so well. gets the most extra scoring chances. So, you know, status quo, for example, I'm, I'm keeping Hyman there. Um, I do think – I don't really buy that Hyman's going to be as successful on that third line long term. And I just think that that line, whether it's Kerfoot or Simmons, I, I, I'm fairly happy with it. Um, just as a checking line, that's that's not going to give you much offense. I'm really not expecting much offense right, if it's Hyman there or not. Um, I know the results have been good in a small sample. I'm just kind of skeptical. Um, but if you do get a forward that's that's capable of playing on the first line, let's say, I don't know, Taylor Hall, um, I think Elchenyuk's been good enough on the second line that I'd be okay with him there. So if, if Hall comes in, Elchenyuk still played well on that second line. You can put Hall on the first line. Or if it's Jaden Swartz, you could put him on the first line. Then I'm I'm more open to putting Hyman on that on that hem line. Um, and I think it could also be a scenario where, you know, if you're if you're behind, maybe you go, you know, Hall or, or Schwartz in the top six, Hyman in the top six, and then maybe if you're ahead, you you reunite that hem line. The one thing I do like about the hem line is that they're fast and, and they're long. And I think when you if you if you're up against McDavid specifically. You got you need guys that can skate, they can play good defensively, and I I think that's where that line could really come in handy. Um, I do want to ask Nick. I know we asked this on the last on one of the last podcasts. It is a bit of a tough question, but we'll at, we'll throw it to Ian here. Let's say Ian that they go out and they add a forward. They don't give up any forward on the current roster, so Kerfoot stays, Engvall, Mikhaev stays. Who? do you think should come out of the lineup and who do you think will come out of the lineup? So this is a tough one because I think if I'm just basing it on pure five on five value, I'd say something like Wayne Simmons, but I also know that heading into a playoff series, he's that type of presence, that type of player that 
the whole reason he was on this team was so that in a playoff series he could throw a big hit and drop the mitts. And even though he'd only give them, let's say, five to ten minutes on every any given night, it's not just that energy he's providing individually. It would be the effect he's having on other players to get the most out of an Austin Matthews or a Mitch Marner or a Zach Hyman when he high fives him on the bench. So I understand that there's some kind of value there. He's looked rough after the injury. Another one is Joe Thornton, where if his name isn't Joe Thornton, if they, you know, we take the names off the back of the jerseys, he would have been a healthy scratch at this point. So I think there are going to be some tough decisions to be made coming towards the playoff time. Because like you said, if they add a forward, and they don't move Kerfoot the other way, someone has to come out of the lineup. Is it Galchenyuk? I don't think he deserves to come out of the lineup. I think he's been playing great. Is it Wayne Simmons? I mean, the team loves him, so I, I'm not sure if they'll take him out. Is it a Joe Thornton or a Jason Spezza? You can't take Jason Spezza out. He's been your points no. leader at 5-on-5. Five five. He's yeah. been awesome. So who is it for you? For me, I, I lean Simmons. I lean Thornton at this point, but it, it's tough. We both said Simmons. Last yeah, we both week. said Simmons. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't see. I just don't know where he goes. Like, even if if they do, like, I think that top nine is kind of is kind of set once they get a player. I think Galchenyuk's in there. I think Pierre Engvall's in there. I think Mikheyev's in there, um, and then kind of your, your the other six, and then that fourth line. Like, I I don't think like, like Kerfoot's got to be there. Spets has got to be there. So for me, it is between Thornton and Simmons, and I think I've really liked that Thornton. Kerfoot and Spezza kind of like that makeshift fourth line slash third line I think they've been pretty good together so um maybe you rotate out Simmons and Thornton but you know it's definitely between those two I'm actually yeah I think I would be fine with a rotation of Thornton and and Simmons maybe the extra rest helps them it's definitely going to be a tough conversation but for me I want Engvall because of his ability to just play good defensively play center I also really like Kerfoot at center. Um, I know he's, you know, I know as a third line center he's he's iffy, but as a fourth line center, I think he's excellent. Um, so I think they're they're definitely ahead of of Thornton and Simmons, and I think it's the names that really stop us. I do I do like some physical play. I think Simmons actually played really well against Montreal, so maybe he changes my mind. But um, at this point, I just think you know Simmons can't pass. He's bad in transition. He doesn't penalty kill. Um, they did scratch Matt Martin in the playoffs once for Andreas Janssen, I remember. Um, so I, maybe they, maybe there's a chance. Um, I, I'm really curious to see that. I don't think it could be Spezza. I hope it's not Engvall. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm so curious to see what happens. And I almost feel like it could be a disappointing trade deadline. I just don't know what they're going to do. It's it's going to be a, a, weird, a, a weird decision, I guess. Part of me um, wants Thornton out of the lineup just so he can't play bumper on the power play anymore. That's a, that's a side thing. It's just driving me completely Simmons. insane. Simmons on power play one. If he's out, then he's not on power play one. I'm kind of happy about that. Um, I actually am okay with with breaking up Mikhaev and Engvall. I'm at least open to it. I, I do like the combination. I actually said, you know, before they put them together this year that I, I, I loved them together last year. Um, but I did like the line in the playoffs with Engvall, um, with, he was with Clifford and he was with Spezza and I, I wouldn't mind a similar approach this time around where it's like Engvall in the middle, you give him two offensive guys to Galchenyuk you know, and Spezza. Yeah. I would like that. That's cool. Fourth line. Yeah. And then you go like Makayev, Kerfoot, Felino if they get Felino as a, as a third line checking line. Um, I wouldn't mind that. But then it's like, okay, what do you... I don't know. We'll see I, what I, they do. I'm, adding I'm it so up there, curious. Simmons is the odd man out. 
Yeah, Simmons yeah. or Thornton. I think it's going to – my preference is Simmons. I just don't think he's been good enough at 5-on-5 five five of late. I love him. I want him to succeed. I think he played well, as I said, against Montreal. But for me, if I'm being as objective as possible, it, I think Simmons is their, is their worst forward right now. Thornton just barely ahead, though. But I think with some rest, he might he might come out on top. Yeah, Thornton's shown that he can make an impact higher in the lineup, at least. When Simmons got moved up to play in the top six or even the top nine, I don't know how good you're feeling about that. Whereas Thornton, worst case scenario, you know that he can have an impact in the offensive zone with his passing on the cycle. He can make other players better. Simmons, I get worried that when he's out there, he's kind of a drag on the rest of the players he's playing with. And the thing I like about Thornton, too, is that he plays his game regardless of what line he's on. Um, he doesn't really step out of his means. And, and we see that when he's with Matthews and, and Marner, like that becomes a very good cycle line. Um, and Thornton hardly moves. Like He literally just stays behind the net. He uses his big body, shields off the puck, and Matthews and Marner can kind of go around and make passes. And, and Thornton was pretty good there. So, yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I, I think it's tough, though, because... I think the fact that Sheldon Keefe even mentioned that Simmons is such a is is great on the bench. He's great with the team. It feels different when he's not when he's injured and not on the bench. Um, it's interesting because I think we're gonna get a, a really good answer about what Keefe kind of values and how much he values certain things. Um, does he value having like a third line that can go up against the other team's top lines and keep Engvall and Mikheyev, or does he? You know, is he going to scratch someone like Spezza and Thornton, who at this point in their careers chose to come to the Toronto, or and, and or is he going to like you know scratch Simmons despite kind of the the intangibles that he brings? So I think we're definitely going to get some answers after the trade deadline. Spezza's weirdly become too valuable to scratch at this point. When you <laughs> he's look, way at, too oh, valuable. he quarterbacks the second power play unit, and he's your most productive player at five on five. It's absurd what he's doing at seven hundred thousand dollars, especially for how much play. he plays. Like he hardly plays. Put him, put him with Galchenyuk in the bottom six line. They're gonna, they're gonna produce some offense if you can get a haul for the top six. I, I like that. A lot of people forget that you're allowed to outscore the other team's fourth line. They assume you just <laughs> have to have a bunch of grinders down there, but it, you're allowed to have talent down there. That's okay. And we've seen how much value that that has when Spezza scores and when that fourth line produces like the Leafs are a really tough team to play against and they're a tough team to beat I'm glad that's a good transition because that's what I wanted to ask next Nick is the tough to play against thing it's kind of driving me nuts to be honest um (laughs) I know Dubas said he wanted to get tougher to play against he went out and got Simmons he went out and got Bogosian I feel like any team there's there's going to be a segment of fans who just want more grit it's kind of the default Let's add defense, let's add grit. For me, like, tough to play against has some different definitions. I think McDavid is a tough player to play against because he's really damn good. I think Taylor Hall is, for the same reasons, tough to play against. I think that guy is really damn good, really good I can't good stop him from entering the offensive zone. I can't stop him from making that pass through the middle of the ice. Like, yeah, he didn't deliver a hit, but he beat me. Uh, that, that sucks. I don't like playing guys who are better than me. Yeah, he's, he's just better than guys. And he's good on the forecheck, really underrated on the forecheck, great playmaker. So I'm not concerned with grit whatsoever. Um, Hoffman, I guess I'm I'm kind of intrigued to see where he goes. He had a 70-point pace last season, 70-point the year before. He is a guy that relies on a high shooting percentage, but he has such a good shot. He is a guy with, with bad defensive results, but I guess Galchenyuk did as well. I'm kind of interested to see if they would go that route. Um, I, I don't... 
know if I love it. I think a lot of his values on the power play and and Matthews is kind of in that spot on on the one timer side when he does play there. I don't, I don't know if, if I don't think he's my plan A. I guess I'd kind of have him towards Felino though. I think he's okay. I, I I don't think that's the way they're gonna go, but it it could be interesting. I will just say that they are gonna scratch a half decent player here when they acquire someone, assuming they don't give anyone up, and that's why I think it has to be a real needle mover like if you're getting alex uh follow and you're scratching joe thornton i do think it's an improvement i just don't know if it's if if it's like a, a massive improvement that's yeah, why what's the delta you... value there what's the real difference especially yeah. if thornton if you can rest thornton and get him to the point where he's closer to where he was in the beginning of the season i think you've created an effective top nine player yeah exactly maybe you play him every other day in the playoffs and i'm sure there's going to be injuries like you know we did I'm a Jays fan, and I know coming into the year, it was like, okay, they got George Springer. They already have Gurriel and, and Hernandez in the outfield. They also have Grichuk. Like, how are you going to get all these guys at bats? And, and game one, Springer's out. So I think some of the problems work themselves out. I think you can, as long as you can make it work cap-wise, I think you can kind of rotate. Um, um, you can rotate Simmons and Thornton, or maybe Engvall comes out occasionally, or, or someone like that. But um, I am kind of interested, especially if it's get like, if, if I follow Lawton, I kind of like Lawton, but I, I just feel like they got to go big or go home. I, I think Schwartz I really like. I really like Hall. Um, how about in terms of depth defensemen? For me, I just think they like their their three pairings. I like Sandine. I don't mind Lilligren. Um, I, I think they'll be interested, but again, I think we are, are we all in agreement that it's kind of the secondary move if once they get the forward? Yeah, I'm, I'm there. And can I get a quick clarification on what constitutes a depth defenseman? Because I don't think it's the David Savards. I don't think it's the no, Josh Manson. No, not so, at home. <laughs> so we're going way down the list here, and it's going to be someone who I think is a worse player than the next guy up in terms of Travis Dermott or Rasmus Sandin. I don't want to bump those guys down the depth chart. I'd rather just play that player. But I guess yeah. you're concerned maybe on the right side if Hall gets injured, let's say. You're moving Zach Bogosian up. And then who comes in? Timothy Lelligren? Are you confident in that? He hasn't even played at the NHL level lately. So is there someone on the right side that you guys are paying attention to? I don't have too many targets. I know... Yeah, especially uh, depth ones, yeah. Matt Benning on Nashville, I was, maybe. I think he's I think he's actually under control for next year. He's really cheap. Um, I know Alexiak's getting mentioned. I, I don't know what side he's on. Left he's side. He's, he's interesting lefty, yeah. because even though he's a tree... Uh, he got a bit more freedom to carry the puck up the ice with possession the last couple of years. And he could be an interesting name, but then I'm again, I'd be worried about him taking Travis Dermott's roster spot. And now Same. you have an Alexiak Bogosian third pair that can't move the puck. And maybe you're in a bit of trouble. Yeah. The other thing with him is just like, you're, you're going to probably acquire a forward first. And like Kevin, like you were saying, like you're going to see how much cap you have left and he's at 2.14 right now. So unless they retain and then you kind of somehow fit him in, like I don't know how that works with him. Yeah. Okay, we got to so get to a couple go. others here. Let's start with Ian on this one. This is a big name. He's a rental. He's a center. He would fill the third line center role, and his name is Tyler Bozak. I saw his think? name on the list. I was thinking <laughs> about bringing bring him up. I'm like, hey, what if we gave him another run here? I always like Tyler Bozak. Underrated, crafty little passer, but. We were talking about guys that you can trust against the other team's top players. Uh, I don't think Tyler Bozak fits that description. You know what? He's actually been decent defensively since he went to St. Louis. It's funny because when he was with Toronto, he was virtually like played in the offensive zone exclusively with uh, JVR and Connor Brown. And then 
he had that Mitch Marner line. And it's funny because now he's on a St. Louis line that I don't, they don't put him against top competition per se, but he's definitely been better defensively than what he was with Toronto. But yeah, for me, it's it's a no for Bozak. I think I'd rather just keep Engvall. <laughs> I don't know how much like I don't know how much to trust the defensive results. I just don't, I I can't tell on him. Um, I don't want him either. I, I it'd be kind of funny if they brought him back. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's enough of a needle mover where you're scratched someone else. I've got a question for you. I'm looking at a few Buffalo defensemen here. Brandon Montour or Colin Miller? Can I talk you into either of those? <laughs> you know I'm the president of the Colin Miller band club, so I could so, be talking. No, that, that one, everyone's the, the president of Colin Miller. <laughs> I was so wrong about Colin Miller, and it hurts my soul. It just I have to look in the mirror every day and tell myself, man, I believed in this guy. I was so he's got, wrong about this. He's got an extra year, though, so I just don't think that's going to work. Oh, true, um, because then all of a sudden that, that messes you up for expansion. So that's a good Not point. just that, but just the 3.875, even if they retain, I just don't know if they can make it work. Um, I do feel like we might be headed towards Bogosian coming back next year. Uh, I could see him on tour. I'm just not the biggest fan. I, I don't know. Like, I, don't, I, I don't think he's very good defensively. Yeah, he's not going to yeah. come in and take Bogosian's minutes. He'd, he'd basically be scratched, and you gave up an asset for someone who's just going to sit on the press box. Uh yeah, it's kind of iffy for me. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know. The other guys, I guess, like, I think we kind of all are aligned on Granlin because, uh, you know, we don't know if he's going to get traded. We're guessing no. He's, he's kind of a fine player. If, you know, he's probably kind of towards the Felino range. Um, the one the one last guy I want to get your thoughts on, Ian, um, and, and Nick, yours as well, would be Kyle Palmieri. I know he just got traded to the New York Islanders. just want to get your thoughts on the trade. Uh, Travis Zajac went in that deal as well, reunited <laughs> with Lula Amarello. Um, and they did get a first in return as well as some uh, some lesser prospects. There was retention involved. Are you ups- How upset are you that Kyle Palmieri will not be a Maple Leaf down the stretch? Honestly, uh, kind of happy because now they actually have to go for Taylor Hall because they can't convince <laughs> themselves that there's another half-decent option out there because he just went to Long Island. But uh, fun fact, that's uh, this is the last year of Travis Zajac's contract, that, that incredible contract that Lou Lamorello signed him to. Just uh, heads up that he's on the final year of that right now. So end of an era, man. How, Wait, how, Zajac? How hey. Yeah. Lou signed that contract? believe so didn't he oh yeah he must have oh, yeah because it was goodness. a while ago it was a long contract it was a you know what ian when when a contract ends it must be extended so let's not uh you know now that he's back with lou maybe he'll extend him he needs to yeah, i was gonna say january contract. 16th 2013 i think lou was uh there and it yeah. was an eight-year yeah. deal 5.75 oh, million dollars uh, I think it's safe to say he hasn't lived up to that contract, but I, I imagine that him and Barry Trotz's system will be a fine defensive player. It's, any player who goes to that system just seems to fit in well, and they have good team results at the end of the day. Cal Palmieri is exactly what they needed. They, they needed more offensive talent because other than Matt Barzell, there aren't too many players who are helping create chances. So I know Kyle Palmieri tends to rely on the passes of other players to create those chances. But throughout his career, he's been a 30-goal scorer. I know his shooting percentage dropped off a bit this year, but for my money, you can pencil him in for whatever, however many games are remaining. I think he'll score at a 30-goal pace moving forward, and that's the kind of player you want to add at the deadline. So kudos to Lou for giving up the first-round pick. Even though he had to take on Travis Zajac's money, uh, he, he got himself a good player in Cal Palmieri. Yeah, I've, I've gotten the same way. Nick, where were you on Palmieri? He was an option. I think he was a good top six option. Uh, definitely under Schwartz, definitely under Hall on my list. Um, yep. It's funny, though, because when I saw the trade, actually, Kevin, you sent me 
you sent me the the tweet and i almost had like a sigh of relief i think you had the same one ian based on your answer there like and i was like oh my god like i think call to toronto might actually happen uh so when i saw that so i was also relieved when i saw it um i think in hindsight like now after seeing that the leafs might not be getting hall i would potentially feel bad that paul mary went to the islanders but i guess we'll wait and see when it comes to that um yeah i think he's a good scorer i think he would have been okay with the leafs he definitely would have been you know a legitimate top six forward to go along with with Tavares and nylander um i probably want someone a little bit better in transition but uh, i think he'd be a good option and uh, but I, I'm not you know I'm not crying over him going to the Islanders. Yeah, I, we knew the Islanders were going to get someone. I wanted Hall more than Paul Mary, so I like Ian. I kind of thought okay maybe Hall's happening. Um, but Paul Mary's a good shooter. Seems to be pretty good defensively. I just don't think he's a. A lot of his value comes on the power play, and I'm not sure that's what they need. Although it hasn't been doing well as of late. Um, and he's a right shot. I, I don't know. I guess I prefer Nylander on the right side, even though it's not a huge difference maker. So Nylander plays both a... sides. I mean, especially when he's carrying the puck up the ice, it doesn't really matter what position he is. He's puck carrier. Yeah, yeah I, exactly. I still prefer him on the right if I if I can choose. But yeah, I would I would have been fine with him playing the left with Paul Mary. Um, ideal world, I'd probably rather get the left wing, but I'm not too picky. Um, but yeah, I, I I think he was number three on my list after Paul and Schwartz. Um, so I, I want to get everyone's, I guess the other guys I wanted to mention that are kind of the long shots, Connor Garland, who's a huge long shot. I love Garland. The other guy's Thomas Hurdle, where if you gave up, say, Lilligren a first and Kerfoot, I, I think I'm in. Like, I, I love Thomas Hurdle. Um, Goudreau, if they could rescue him from Daryl Sutter. Um, I, can we all just say that we, we'd like those guys if at the right cost? Like those, that's kind of the dream, is it not? I can already hear the people in Toronto media saying, oh, the Leafs traded for another small, undersized winger. <laughs> Drill, That's exactly what they needed. Yeah, no, or Connor Garland, I was thinking. Even Garland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah I, I love those players, especially Garland. I think him just like hitting the scene this year and, and actually getting some, you know, some big-time production and kind of becoming mainstream was really cool. The only thing with getting someone with term, and I think Dubis somewhat mentioned it, um, is how it would affect the summer. Um and with the expansion draft so i don't know like for me like this year it's a perfect year to get rentals but obviously if you're splashing a guy like getting a guy like hurdle or or garland i I wouldn't be opposed to it i think it'd be really fun and i'm sure the leafs could you know figure out the expansion draft but um you know i just expect a rental at this point yeah because if you bring someone in with term then it means that you can't do the four forwards 4d thing anymore because all of a sudden you'd have to protect that forward so now it's seven forwards and 3d who get protected and you're gonna lose a justin hall potentially now instead of keeping him so that's the loss in value in the trade you don't just have to consider the forward that you're adding but okay great we're adding connor garland for a playoff run but we're losing justin hall for the next couple years is that worth it in the long run Probably not. So if you're bringing in a player with term, it needs to be a real needle mover. I know when we were talking about Philip Forsberg earlier in the year, he's someone who genuinely made you think about it because he's that type of player. But again, Nashville's probably not going to be selling this year, so he's not a name who's going to be moved. So if you are bringing in a forward with term, you just need to consider that factor because is it worth losing Justin Hall? He's a number four defenseman. I get that there are players who are worth losing that type of player for, but I'm not sure if Connor Garland's that type of player. I'm not sure if other players with term that are available this year are going to be that kind of player. So it's definitely something to consider. Yeah, I think for Garland, Hurdle, Goudreau, I'm, I'm, I do it. But other than that, 
I, I think, yeah, I, it's tough to get a guy with term right now. Um, Goudreau feels like an off-season move to me. I just don't, I can't see it on the Leafs, but yeah, that'd be so cool. It'd be such a, the media would go nuts if that happened. Oh, just, Kyle Dubas bringing in these small, <laughs> undersized skill players. They're never going to win like this. I kind of want it. That's why I want Taylor Hall, Johnny Goudreau. Give me all the undersized, talented players that people are mad at. I'd love it. If, if the Leafs do win, though, you know they're not going to talk about any of those undersized guys. It's going to be all about Bogosian, all about the Simmons signing. So the, the Leafs are one cup away from being a gritty, um, you know, kind of a gritty team. Until yeah, then, they're yeah. a soft, small team. This is like Edmonton when they gave Chris Russell all the credit for making the playoffs the year that Connor McDavid lapped yeah. the league in points. And it's just, <laughs> come on, can you give credit to the players who are actually making a difference here? I want to go through... Two last things before we get out of here. So one is I want a prediction, and then we'll do one quick trivia uh, question. So in terms of prediction, we got lots of options available. You can you can pick anyone. I want to know who do you think the Leafs will acquire prior to the trade deadline. You can go with Hall. You can go with Schwartz. You can go with a guy like Lawton, Getzlav if you want, Hoffman. It's not who you want, it's who do you think, or what's your prediction? Okay, I'm, I'm going to go hot take here. I'm going to go, the Leafs give up Alexander Kerfoot, okay. Timothy Liljegren, okay. and a second-round pick okay. for Taylor Hall and Linus Allmark. And there's also a bunch of salary retention in there, and Chicago's eating some of the salary too, so maybe there's an extra fourth-round pick thrown in. But that'll be my, my hot take trade that I think is going to happen. I like it. Nick? Something similar. I'm going to go with uh, Taylor Hall coming to the Leafs. I'm still not convinced that the Leafs are out of it. Um, I just think it makes too much sense. So I'm going to go with a first-round pick. Uh, I'll say Topi Nimala. Um, I don't think that... I know Buffalo's probably pushing them for Lilligrand, probably pushing for you know Robertson and Amarov, etc., Sandine. But I think they're going to hold to it. I think Buffalo's going to give in. So I'm going to go with Nimala and a first for Hall with 50% retention or however much retention they need with the third party. Uh, and I think they'll keep Kerfoot. Okay. I'm going to go. I think they're going to keep Kerfoot. You guys both went Hall. I, I'm i going to trust Saravelli and, and say and, and believe that they're not in. Although I'm not. The insiders seem to be not too sure. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were in. Um, but I'll go with. I think the most likely is Felino. I don't know. It just seems like. Um, it just seems like a guy I could I could see Dubas getting. I don't know why. Um, He's one of those guys is... that the old school types and the analytics types can agree on, kind of in a Kyle Clifford sense. So I could see it from that regard. Yeah, and he won't cost the first. You should cost the second, right? Does Nick Foligno have ties to the Sioux? That's the only thing we need to ask <laughs> ourselves now. He played for Sudbury. That's that's as close as it got. Not enough. So, no, it's are they not right? Enough. Yeah, yeah. I was looking for. Uh, Old Sioux Greyhounds they could get, but I didn't. I didn't Colin come across. Miller. Yeah, I guess so. Um, um, not. Uh, I don't know. It's not a huge list. Uh, I know, uh, like back when he was an agent, he had like Cali Yarnrock um, at that agency. So I was thinking maybe him, but he's got some term. I just don't see it. But before uh, we I'll, get to trivia, I want to ask one question of both you guys because I, I think we're starting to get really close to the deadline and. You know, I'm going to give kind of a hypothetical situation here. Let's say you're talking to Buffalo and they say, like, Dubas's final offer is, let's say, let's say it's Nemo and a first for Hall, 50% retention and all the retention. Buffalo says no. 
no deal. You're getting like five minutes before the deadline. They say it's either Rodion Amirov in a first for Hall or nothing. And let's say the Leafs don't have anything else lined up. So it's either you make that deal or you do nothing on the deadline. Which one yeah. would you guys go with? I guess I'd do nothing, but I ho- I certainly hope they have a plan B. I, I do think Hall's going to get traded the next couple of days. That's all I'll say. But Ian, I'll, I'll Oh, he has know. to. Yeah. <laughs> See, I think I would either give up the A-level prospect or the first-round pick. I don't, I couldn't see myself doing both. I know the prospects that you were bringing up, Nick. You were bringing up a Topi Nimala, a Ronnie Hervinen. I'm sure Philip Hallander's name came up. He'd, he'd fit in that kind of tier as well. But now you're saying, nope, B-level prospects aren't enough. We're moving up into the A-level prospects, the Sandin, Robertson, Amirov, Lilligan tier, and a first-round pick. Is that going to get it done for Taylor Hall? I'd say no, but if I get Linus Ulmark back... I would think long and hard about it because he's a goalie I might even look into re-signing and running him as the tandem with Jack Campbell next year. Yeah, that that's pretty much where I'm at. I'm actually, I think that we've, well, I've definitely thought a lot about adding to this team and about like what this team will look like. I'm going to ask for your opinions here too because, you know, over the last at least 48 hours, we've a lot of the insiders have been talking about and there's been some articles about if the Leafs are going to add at all and the possibility that if the Leafs don't add to their forward group. How confident are you guys if the Leafs went with this current group right now into the playoffs? And I'll, Ian, I'll let you go first. So no trades. We make it through the trade deadline and Kyle Dubas says, oh, you know, we were looking, but the prices weren't good, so we're happy with our current roster. How am I feeling about this this team right now? This you know, current what's funny team, is yeah. I, I actually do feel very very good about it. If we look at the results over the last month or so, they're second and th- or third in the league in expected goals. It's Colorado first and the Montreal and Toronto are second, third. They're, they're actually driving play to an elite degree, and the Toronto Maple Leafs have never done that. Even in the Austin Matthews era, they've tended to rely on their scoring prowess and some strong goaltending from Frederick Anderson to try to outperform some of their shot metrics at 5-on-5. Five five. The fact that they're actually getting quality chances repeatedly at 5-on-5 five five and they're preventing them for once defensively, uh, I, I feel pretty good about it. But again, if you have true championship aspirations, you should be looking to add a difference maker to your team at the deadline. So I would be disappointed if I, if 3 p.m. passed on Monday afternoon and the Leafs haven't done anything because I think they do have a roster that you can add to to make it an even better quality championship contender to make it the team that should come out of the North Division. Yeah, I'm, Kevin? I'm with Ian. I'm with Ian. I think the biggest thing is goaltending, obviously, right? Like, if, if, if we learn that Anderson's out, we need a goalie, a thousand percent. Um, but even then, like, you looked at the forward lineup with Nylander out last night, and, and it looked weak. Like, you can't have Mikhaev on the second line, um, you know, if, if there is one guy that's out. So I, I do think that they need to add some depth, preferably up front. They definitely have to address the goaltending if, if it comes to that. But, um, well, I guess we'll see. They obviously know more than we do. I, I, I'm going to say I, I would be disappointed, as Ian said. I still feel pretty good about the team, but I, this is a year where I think you're pretty good, and, you want to push some chips in uh, for this year specifically, especially given the divisions. So uh, I'll say like there's going to be like, about an 80% chance to make a move. I would even say maybe 90% that they'll make some sort of move. I don't know if it'll be a big move. but Number um, seven defenseman comes back in the trade. Um, uh, Mark Stahl has joined the Leafs. Wow. It's, yes. it's another Callie Rosen trade? <laughs> <laughs> it's another... It's going to be another one of Ian's goalies they're going to get. That's gonna no, be it's going to be another undersized Patan Dennis Malgin type. Oh, that would yeah. be good. Yeah. That yeah. would be good. I'm, tra- I'm trying to think of, like, a 
Curtis Lazar. Yeah, what are those? No, I, I think he's I'm tra- like a little tiny zone entry wizard on the fourth line, like a Tyler Ennis type. Okay. He's gone through waivers like Elchenyuk, but somehow it works here. So hopefully it's not Jimmy Vesey. I guess that's the, uh, the oh red flag. Oh, my God. I, just, I don't want to grade <laughs> him anymore. I don't want to do it. <laughs> I can't believe he was on the team this year. Like That feels I, like it was so long ago. Yeah. I'd rather yeah. not talk about it, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> let's go Wait. with – let's get into some trivia here. I got two questions. Um, we'll let Ian start. He is the guest. Nick Felino is a potential trade deadline acquisition for the Leafs. Which player on this current Leafs roster did he used to play on the same team as? Nick Felino. You said he was a Buffalo guy. Who? This is not minor league. This is NHL team. What? NA... So they played together in the NHL. Played together in the NHL. Where did Nick Felino play before Columbus? Nick, can you help him, or do you not? Know? Uh, no, I know. But I, I don't I think it gives it away, doesn't uh, it? All right, I don't want to I don't want to Google and hockey DB it and just figure it out that way. All right, I'm just gonna throw out a random guess. Alex Kerfoot. No, let's go with Nick. Can you help him? Can you steal? I I, I actually well, it's it's probably Spezza because he played like four years with Ottawa, right? It is Spezza. Way what, back. How, yeah. When did he play with? When did he play there? Because I can picture him in an Ottawa Senators jersey. I just, I just don't know when he played there. I, I know it was for a few years. 2007 to 2012, Felino was on the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, with Alfredson, Heatley, all the all the boys. So I forgot about boys, those years. Yeah. That was, a, that was could, a while back, but yeah, good question. Yeah, he. Uh, it, it could be a reunion. Maybe they play together in the third line. Maybe they get some some Ottawa chemistry going back when they had those exercise bikes. I think. Uh, it could be the answer. Do you remember Brendan True. Shanahan when he mocked that in his one yeah. interview? <laughs> yeah. So classic. Then he goes out and gets Spetzel years later. Um, Ian, okay. Ian, you got lucky today with the trivia question because sometimes we're getting into KHL players that used to be on the Leafs and stuff like that. See, it I gets think pretty that's more my here. area of strength is these random European prospects, whereas you ask me an actual <laughs> NHL question, I go, oh, crap, I don't know this as well as I know random, <laughs> you know, second division Swedish tier players. Okay, well, we can next time you're on, we'll do we'll do Swedish junior trivia. That'll be our, our trivia. But I got one more. That. This one's pretty easy. It's pretty simple. We're gonna do a competition here. So, when Joe Thornton was in grade five, what <laughs> grade was Thomas Caberlet in? Nick, we'll let you start, and then uh, it's gonna be who's closest. So Joe Thornton's in grade five. What grade is Thomas Caberlet? It's fun when you first started the question. I was hoping the the, the second person was going to be Nick Robertson, um, but ooh, Thomas Carble using. I'm going to say grade six. Ian, what's your uh, what's your guess? I was going to say because of the way you're wording the question, I'm going to say grade five. Are they the same age? Uh, Nick was correct. So Caberle, it was grade six. Caberle is one year older than Joe Thornton. So. Wow. You're looking for a depth defenseman at this to add. He, I think he's still living in Toronto, right? So I think Caberlet might be that might be that guy. That I mean, he's been a in. he's been a depth defenseman who provided basically no value to a Cup winner. So why not do it again? <laughs> oh, he Boston. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, he played 25. Oh, he did play 25 games for them. Picked up 11 assists. But man, I I don't remember him much on those teams. I think he was playing very sheltered bottom pair of minutes. We need a three-on-three of Caberlet, Kerfoot, and Thornton together. 
Uh, no one passes. No one shoots. They just pass yeah. it over and over and over again. That would be amazing. That's what I want to see one day. That's what I thought the Kerfoot Spezza Thornton line would be, but Th- Spezza sets himself up for the one timer and gets them off. So it's at least Wenberg. nice to have one shot threat there. Wenberg yeah. never shoots. We need Wenberg. We need. I think one of the Sedins, probably Henrik Sedin. Henrik, yeah, it was Henrik. Never shot. So, yeah, maybe we'll bring those guys out of retirement. Maybe we'll get a Justin Williams out of retirement. I'm I'm going down the rumor mill here. But, Ian, where can people find your work? So, I'm at Ian Graff still on Twitter. That's where I tend to post my <laughs> uh, my post-game Leafs report cards. If you just Google Ian Tullock Leafs report cards, it's probably the easiest way to find them. But they're at Maple Leafs Hot Stove which uh, is a pretty decent website. Someone else here on this podcast uh, put some content out there from what I hear. Yep, I hear they're pretty good articles over there. Of course, you can check out Nick's stuff at the Leafs Nation. Um, And Ian, thanks again for joining us. And Nick and I will be back next week, hopefully, to talk about a Taylor Hall trade. See everyone next week. Looking forward to the Scott Lawton trade. Thanks a lot, guys.